I am so excited for today's episode. You guys, this is a topic that to be honest, I have kind of avoided because it's such a hot button and I have such a opinion on it, <laughs> but it is one that is running rampant all around social media, narcissists, narcissistic behavior, dealing with a narcissist, right? Divorcing a narcissist. We've all seen it. Super excited to have a narcissist expert with us today. So let's get started. Welcome to the Crazy Ex-Wives Club, a podcast dedicated to helping women navigate the emotional journey that is divorce. I'm your host, Erica, and if you're trying to figure out life after the big D, welcome to the club. Whether you're contemplating divorce or dealing with the aftermath or any of the many phases in between, the club has got you covered. Each week, you'll hear stories from women who have been in your shoes. This isn't about spilling tea and divorce details. This is about giving you the tools to take control of your own healing journey. Listen in weekly for advice, tips, and tools to help you move through each stage of the process. Hey guys, this is Erica and it's another episode of the Crazy Ex-Wives Club. I am super excited for today's episode because today we're going to talk about narcissistic behaviors because we have all seen them. We have all been there and being empowered to understand what it is, what it isn't and how to deal with it so you can maintain your own happy space is such a game changer, especially as you're navigating your new world post-divorce. So I'd love to welcome today's guest, Victoria McCooey. She is a, a narcissist divorce coach, and I am super excited to have you here. So welcome, Victoria. Thanks for having me. I'm just as excited to be here. Yeah, I saw Victoria. She did a summit, a divorce summit. I saw her content. And as we all know, there are tons of people out there talking about narcissistic behaviors, but I loved some of the points that she was making and how she brought it to life. So I knew I wanted to bring her on to talk about narcissistic behavior with us all, because this season is about empowering you to be your best self. And I know for me, one of the hardest part was not letting my ex's behavior knock me back into a spiral of bullshit, right? Into a spiral of being pissed and letting his behaviors drive my happiness. Yeah. And you know why that happens? Why we keep looking for that drama? Why? There's like a physiological reason for that. Okay, well, well, you guys, this is worth it just for that. It's not your fault. <laughs> when you when you try your hardest, you just want to step into that. Just step on you it. Do, because you're programmed, your body is programmed to have those doses of that adrenaline rush, or it's a dopamine rush. Even though we think of dopamine rush as a good thing, it still is a spike. Mm-hmm. And your body's missing that like adrenaline spike, right? When you get so angry. Like it's something really triggers you and it's like, you get so mad at the person, right? So when you're trying to remove yourself from the relationship, you're craving, your body's craving it. And you're, as much as you've done everything you can to separate from it, you find yourself just taking the bait because your body is craving that rush. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? I think that makes total sense because I, for a long time too, I actually very consciously avoided ever getting angry to the point that it actually was a little bit detrimental, right? Because a little bit of fire motivates you to go get stuff done. 
it's a motivator that pushes you forward. You know, if you put your hand on the stove and you never felt your nerves telling you that it was hot to pull it off, like you just sit there like, wah, wah. And that's kind of what I had built because I was so angry pre-divorce that then I was like, oh, this is unhealthy. I need to rewire this anger. I need to channel it into something else. And I moved too far in the other direction. And so when I finally started stepping back into it, I was like, oh, this feels good. (laughs) Yeah, it totally makes sense. So let's just talk a little bit about why is everybody so hot on the narcissist label? right now. Like this is one of my little soapboxes. So let's see if you and I align on this topic. I think it's a problem that this word is thrown around so loosely when people are having to go to, you know, I'm working with people, mostly women, but some men who are in the divorce process and sometimes having to show up in court. And when you say, well, my ex-spouse is a narcissist, that is killing your case. You know, it's like it's so dismissed because it's now you're using language that you know, you're not a psychiatrist. You don't know. And it really diminishes your credibility. So it's not a great thing to go around calling everybody a narcissist, especially when you're like in a divorce proceeding. Right. But yeah, it's rampant. It's like the personality disorder du jour that everybody's claiming everybody's a narcissist. And, you know, because there are people in the news that everybody's calling art. So it's just like a mainstream thing now that everybody is accusing everybody else. (laughs) Okay. So we are so aligned because (laughs) like, I hate very few things. That is one of the things that I hate when I hear somebody be like, Oh, my ex is a narcissist. And I'm like, time out. He might've had, or she might've had narcissistic behaviors or tendencies or times, but guess what? We all have, Yes. you know, if we're just talking about narcissistic behavior means that you put your needs and desires above the benefit of anybody else. We've all done that sometimes. Sometimes it's, it's the right thing to do. Yeah. And especially like when you're hurt, right? When you're hurt and you react and you're like, I'm just going to do what I need to do for me. You're no longer collaborating and working with somebody. Those sorts of like selfish behaviors populate a lot, but the world has taken it to like stamping people with a label. And to be honest, it's so disrespectful to those handful of cases that do truly have a, a narcissist involved. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I hadn't really thought about that, but you know, we've diluted it. Yeah, because there there have been a couple stories. I can think of actually only two of divorce stories where I was like, no, that like that literally is wrong. Like one person, male, female, I knew the female half, the male burnt down the house that she lived in just so wow. that the children couldn't inherit it after she had unexpectedly passed. Like that's crazy pants, you guys. Like that's that crazy. <laughs> like that narcissistic behavior because it's it's so out of control that you know just so that nobody could get to it, so that it was gone. He just burned it down, and that was it. Yeah, I had threats of that from my ex husband that I'll burn the house down before you get it. You know things like that. So yeah, yeah. And you know you're a fellow divorcee. You mm-hmm. had to go through some serious shit, a lot of pain to get to what you've created today. And so it's also like a beautiful story of like, yeah, divorce sucks. Yeah, there are some really bad stuff that happens in it, but look what you can transform it into. Yeah, and I'm not alone. I mean, a lot of people when you come out of something like that. The tendency is to want to help other people so they don't have to suffer as much as you did. Mm-hmm. There's so many, 
things. I'm sure you feel the same way that you're saying now, if I'd only known this then, or if I, if I had somebody helping me through that then, or explaining this to me, then I could have expedited this whole healing process. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where I think for the majority of people, like if you're sitting there listening and you're like, you maybe have already labeled your ex as a narcissist. I think my challenge for you would be, you know, is this just a season they're in? And if you were to extend a little more grace to them, like, Hey, they're hurting too. If you extended a little more grace with some of that back off, but we have to be able to do it in a manner that maintains your own boundaries because you shouldn't be hurt in the process of having to deal with that person. True. The behaviors can be so, so terrifying though. And those are pretty much the people who are attracted to my coaching. You know, they're, yeah, there's no, there's no safe zone. Like there's not a, there's no question that these people are in a, in a, a dangerous situation. Let's talk about that too, because let's help people identify where is it that maybe they're just in like their ex is being a little stupid or okay. here's, here's how yeah, I yeah. explain it this way. We're all on a spectrum. I okay. think, you know, I'm not a psychiatrist. Here's how I see it. We're all on the spectrum. It's healthy to have a small amount of, or some amount of narcissism. We need self-esteem. We need to have some ego. We need to take care of ourselves. Right? So where on the spectrum is your partner, right? Even a psychiatrist who's trained to diagnose this, it's not easy. They say it's very difficult. There's a lot of gray area. You know, they're, they're taking a snapshot. They're not seeing a whole lifelong history. So even a psychiatrist has trouble diagnosing someone as a narcissist. So certainly we can't. Yeah. But if their traits, their narcissistic traits are so far on the end of the spectrum that they become toxic to you, that's all that really matters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the thing of like, you know, I think toxic to one person might not be toxic to the other. It's about your own guidance scale. When is that toxic to you? When is that something that is hurting you in your life? Because that's when you need to draw the line. That's when you need to create some systems to protect yourself. Yeah, absolutely. High achieving, ambitious women, listen up. Hey guys, it's Erica and the Crazy Ex-Wives Club cohort is calling your name. You've conquered the boardrooms, but divorce has knocked you off your game. It's time to move forward one powerful step at a time. This 12-week program with live Zoom calls and an online community is your roadmap to healing. We'll tackle mindset shifts, we'll redefine your identity, and we'll empower you to thrive in your new normal. No more two steps back. It's time to lead again. Visit thecrazyxwisclub.com and let's rewire your success story because together we thrive. So what would you say? One of the things I also loved is you had the nine signs of a narcissist, right? What, what makes them? So let's run through those, like the nine things to look for, because I will tell you, I've, I've Googled it a few times, you know, since having it cross my path to learn a little bit more. And I probably didn't find nine, you know, I found some like general statements of what it meant. And your nine really shed a lot of light on some of those past experiences that I was thinking of. Right. I even say some of them have some overlap, right? Yeah. There's a lot of gray, some merge into another, but anyway, so the need for admiration is a big one, Mm -hmm. right? They have to 
have everyone know that they're special, that they should be treated differently. They need to be admired. Also how they use children for admiration on themselves, right? Their children are only uh, worth anything to them for the value that they, the the admiration that, that they put on the parent, right? Oh, look at how perfect my child is. Envy. They are so jealous. And it's not just romantic jealousy. It's somebody has a car that they don't have. Somebody has a better house or a more attractive partner or like anything, you know, it can be anything. They mm-hmm. can't stand that anyone has some, or is going on a trip. You know, <laughs> they'll try to sabotage things that other people have because mm-hmm. they don't have it. Sense of entitlement, right? They deserve everything. Yeah. Especially in divorce. That is where it really becomes a problem. The sense of entitlement, because they truly believe they deserve more. They deserve everything. And you deserve nothing. Like it's not a level playing field when you go in to make a settlement because they don't have that sense of fairness because they're totally have this entitlement issue. Yeah. Arrogance. How many do we have? One, two, three, four, four. Arrogance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's self-explanatory. They, you know, are, are rude, look down on people. You know, they're the people who are mean to the wait staff and like, right? Right. Grandiose. They're grandiose, which is a lot like the sense of entitlement, right? You know, that they deserve, they're better, they're bigger, better, more important. Lack of empathy. Everybody knows that one. That's a big one. It's a big one. And it's so hard for us as non-disordered people to really understand that. Mm -hmm. How do you not feel somebody else's pain? How do you not imagine what somebody else is going through, right? Yeah. I mean, I think people in general, there are people who just are more empathetic. Yeah. For some people, not even narcissistic tendency people, feeling empathetic is hard, right? Feeling empathy, unless you choose to think about it, like, Hey, how would this impact somebody else? But it's a skill we all learn. Like I think about it, something that I was teaching my kid, right? Cause yeah. little children are, are born selfish because that's their protective mechanism. Right. And so it had to constantly be like, how do you think your friend would feel if they did that to you? Like, how would you feel if that happened? And like building that in is such a life skill. You know what I've, I've learned in all these years of researching this, they know that this is lacking in them. They know, they recognize it in other people and they think it's like this telltale thing they try to cover up. So they fake empathy a lot. Okay. I'm like, the, the like light bulbs are going off because I've got <laughs> a, a specific client I coached a few years ago that I'm thinking about that. Yes, this, this ex was just so overly nice constantly, oh, providing compliments, you know, oh, provide like so nice on the surface. And then you would turn around and it, she had like manipulated the words, taken the words, landed, like it was crazy. Cause I'm like, how is somebody showing up? And for someone who words of affirmation is not my strength. Like I have to work at giving specific compliments. I was always like, okay, but I'm seeing this person give all these compliments all the time, constantly reassuring. And now that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah. They're, it's it's hard to put yourself in their shoes because they're so different. They have the, these fantasies of being perfect, perfection, and superiority. 
right? Mm-hmm. Success, like they're all wound or, or beauty or attractiveness, right? Mm-hmm. They see themselves as better looking than everybody else and superior in every way, or maybe yeah. just in one of the more powerful, like, you know, they pick something and, and that's their, their thing that they go to. Yeah. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Here we go. So when I first heard your list, you know, kind of as I was just sharing with you guys, I was thinking through some of these people that I have met. And I think the other thing was, and we can get into that next, you know, there's, there's different types and like the, the narcissist we know of the outgoing person who fills the room and then the covert narcissist that works very, very differently kind of was like blew my mind a few years ago when this walked into my world. But when I heard your list, I was like, Oh, now all of those little behaviors that seemed so mismatched, you know, that you're looking at somebody and I'm like, Oh, that must be a childhood wound. We must need to peel the layer and we start peeling the layer, but then the behavior switches right out from underneath your feet. And you're like, wait a second, how were you just in that example, raining down so many nice words and then turning around and saying you got verbally attacked. Where do these two worlds in your mind line up? And so that list of nine, you know, really helped me sort out some of those conflicting behaviors. Right. Right. So you've heard about the narcissist, the mask they wear, right? They wear a mask, these covert narcissists, and you think they're one person and they can keep it up for a while. But at some point after a long enough time, the mask will slip and you'll get little glimpses into who they really are and how they really think. Yeah. So they're leading a double life. A hundred percent. And how exhausting that must be. You know, my little empathetic heart does go out to them of like... Like what a sad place to be in, but it's also so interesting because their mind has created such a protective mechanism that they're not always aware that this is even happening. Cause I think from the the research I had done was like the root cause of somebody who starts to form these narcissistic behaviors is truly a lack of self-worth that this starts very young and that they feel so broken on the inside of not knowing their own value that they start to create all these stories and behaviors and activities in hopes of achieving that, that love. That's right. So there's an, also another trigger that's common where there are two parental role models and they, they might not be parents. Like it could be a coach or a teacher or somebody influential who has like a parent status. Yeah. So one abandons them, either abandon physically abandons them or abandons them emotionally and the other one overcompensates and coddles and overindulges and to make up for the one who left. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, am I worthy? Am I not worthy? And it, it like splits and it causes this break. Yeah, that's right. You know, my little healer self is like, oh, if we could just fix these people, right? <laughs> no, the bad news is you can't because... I'm not making this up. You know, this is any, every, all the research says the same thing that there is no therapy and there is no drug (laughs) to fix narcissism. And that's because a person has to recognize the need to be fixed in order to do the work to fix themselves. Yes. And they can't recognize that because they think they're perfect and they will, they won't even, it's very rare to even get one to go to a therapist or a psychiatrist because they don't want to be told that 
that would right. be too damaging to them. And like, what a double-edged sword, right? The one thing that would set you free is to do the personal work. And yet your mind, your own mind has created such a story that you're perfect and don't need any work. And so it's literally locked you in this loop that you can never break free of. It's like the glass house you can't ever get out of. Right. It's so crazy. And so since having, we can, to be, having to be perfect all the time. Yeah. Right. Oh, so since we can't get them to change <laughs> and we, and you know, like we can let go of that hope. We can't change people in general. And this is definitely a really difficult person to deal with. And the reality is in any relationship, you can never change your partner in the short term. You can act a certain way or demand a certain way, and they might change a little bit, but in general, they revert. And the only thing we can control is how we choose to show up and how we choose to react to it. And so in these situations where you're dealing with somebody, either a narcissist or someone heavily into narcissistic behaviors, are there some best practices on how to avoid getting stuck in it? Because that's what I see happen a lot. They're so good. The narcissistic behavior person is so good at manipulating and hitting the triggers and pushing you into reacting the way they want you to so -hmm. that they can remain perfect or Mm -hmm. perceived perfect. Mm -hmm. How do you break the cycle? Well, there is a statistic that says women who are in these relationships with a narcissistic partner Mm -hmm. try to leave the relationship seven times on average before they eventually are able to leave for good. That is crazy. They are very good at sucking you back in. Either it's usually a love bombing event, (laughs) I'm going to change. I'm going to do everything the way you want it. I'm going to stop whatever the behaviors are. Yeah. And you want to believe, especially if you're married and have children and, you know, it's, it's you're very invested. Yeah. yeah. So you want to believe so badly. I get that. But the other way they do it is when you're trying to divorce, I see this a lot. They try to sabotage you. Like they make it so difficult and tell you, the crazy lies about what that life is going to look like for you on the other side, that they scare you into saying, this is better than that. Yeah. And the sad part is, is that even once you get to the point of finally making the decision, which was a hard decision because they reeled you back in and they warmed you back up and all of the things is that even when it's done, it gets even worse. Well, now you've shown them that you can be manipulated back in and the abuse just escalates. Yeah. And so learning how to, you know, you can't even really co-parent with a a narcissist, but having to work with them after the divorce and the marriage is done. I mean, think about it for yourself. My divorce really took a hit on my self-worth. And so now you have somebody who already has a lack of self-worth that can't believe that they ever did anything wrong. It's almost like fuel to the fire to make sure that they can prove that they were right. Right, right, right. Yeah. So it sounds like too, in most of your work, you probably work with women who married a male narcissist, more of the what, like grandiose, like the outgoing personality narcissist versus a covert narcissist or what spectrum. I mean, I've been doing this for a lot of years. So I've, (laughs) I've seen every kind of narcissist ex-husband there can be. I mean, stories that would make your hair stand up. So it can be really, really bad. Some of them are very dangerous. You know, there's police activity and threats and kidnappings and, you know, the whole helmet. Yeah. Really ugly. So one of the things that was new, and we've kind of mentioned it, I've mentioned it a couple of times. So let's just give them a little hint into it. Like 
when we think narcissist, we always think it is the people pleaser, the one who owns the room, the one who's schmoozy and talkative. And But there's another type of narcissistic behaviors, which is the covert narcissistic behaviors. So tell us a little bit about those because they show up very differently and it can be just as confusing, but they play a little bit of a different game. Right. They're not the big personalities so much, but they're quiet. They're so, everybody thinks they're the, I'm just going to say it's a man because most of my clients are women, but well, there's a statistic that says 75% of narcissists are men. Men hate it when I say that on the air, but what are you going to do? Data. Uh, <laughs> it's data, right? <laughs> it's just data. Yeah. They are the nicest guy in the world. They're the neighbor who will go mow your lawn and take in your trash and do all the things. And that's where they get their adrenaline rush from people thinking they're so great. Oh my God, your husband is the nicest, nicest man. You're so lucky. And then once you're behind closed doors, he's, you know, Jekyll and Hyde, the other, the other side comes out. Yeah. I definitely saw more things. Covert narcissism was, I would use the word like softer because they're not the outgoing one. They're a little more introverted. They play the victim role far better because they've, you know, again, all the words of affirmation. Oh, you love this about you, your beautiful hair, this or that or whatever else. But then it's also, they're the victim of like, how could you do that to me? I'm so nice. How could you do that to me? Or you did this to me. Right. And so playing that role of, I've seen them be very skilled at getting other people to do the work for them. Flying monkeys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot. A right. lot. They tell everybody, oh, you know, I'm, I'm so worried about her. She's, you know, I've put up with this because I love her so much, you know, and I want to take care of her and I want her to get better, but she's really, really doing these terrible things. And, you know, I just, but I can't leave her. And yeah. <laughs> I've gotten that call. I have gotten that call. <laughs> from a a client's partner. And I'm like, wow, you you go, go tell your partner you called because I am going to tell her (laughs) like, you can't, you can't, we're not crossing this line. We're not doing it. (laughs) Yeah, they do. It's very interesting. Right. Your friends, your family, your coworkers, whoever will listen. And those are the flying monkeys who come in and do his work for Mm -hmm. him. They're like all your, all the people closest to you are like, Oh, you know, poor so-and-so he puts up with so much, you know, you should really rethink what you're doing here because he's such yeah. a nice guy. Right. Yeah. So you don't have to stay hopeless feeling though. <laughs> you guys are like, God, oh, this is a mess of a personality to deal with. It is, but there are, you know, things that you can do to help steer clear of it or to help at least minimize it. Things like, sticking to the facts and recording things, looking for patterns, right? So, right, so wait, we're talking about if you're preparing to leave. Yeah. I'm so if you've got it, so if you've got to continue to work with this person who's got these narcissistic traits, work with them in like co-parenting, right? Okay. You've gotten divorced, you've gotten out. Yeah. You've gotten out, but like, God, you still got to talk to them. Cause if you got out and you didn't have kids, you're like, sweet, we are like, hopefully they're gone. Hopefully they're not a stalker type, but But in the case that you got to, they got to keep showing up because there's kids involved and they're making your life miserable still. What can they do? Okay. So remember my people are extreme, right? Yeah. So I, I've identified the three types of communication for the three different stages of divorce and they're all very different. So when you are just planning your escape, you don't want to 
trigger. You don't want to let them know what's going on. You want to keep it under covers, right? It's, you're doing undercover work. So you're going to talk to them and you're going to try not to engage in the argument because you need to heal. And that's just going to keep wearing you down. So yeah, I call it the Stepford wife stage. Oh yeah. I have to think about that. I, oh wait, I just remembered. I have to go, you know, you just play dumb. Like what they said didn't upset you and you didn't get it. And you just keep things like that. All right. So that takes a little practice, but then when they know you're divorcing and now you're in a divorce, yeah. do you agree with me that the system does not understand this? hundred percent, hundred percent, because I, I've had more experience in the reverse where it's literally the female is actually leveraging the narcissistic behaviors. And so now the oh, court okay. system is really like, oh, it's the mom. The mom never does anything wrong. Right. And so I, I I don't think the lawyers are set up to understand the behaviors. I don't think the court system is, but that, again, that's because it is super complicated. It's you guys, super it's complicated. really hard to diagnose. Yeah. I am gathering my Rolodex. If you even know that word, I'm so <laughs> of all the attorneys that I've not all like, they're not that many who honestly understand the dynamic, but they're only part of the problem. You know, court system judges, parenting coordinators, forensic psychologists, even don't really understand what the victim has been through, how they are compromised and how they're triggered. So it's really important to start healing before you get to this. You're not going to finish healing. You're never going to finish healing, right? We're all on that journey, but you have to at least start the work before you start presenting in front of all these people. Yeah. Because the other thing too, is like the, the divorce process itself is exhausting, And it can feel very victimizing too. Yeah. But this person's worn you down. So you're already starting with a low battery and you're more likely to just give in, to just roll over. And in the moment, just give in so that the thing is gone. And that's what they're, they're hoping for. They're hoping they can just wear you down. Yeah. But more, even more than just letting it's taking a bad deal or, you know, laying down, it can be brutalizing to have, you could be, accused of all kinds of bad intent, you know, because you're not being cooperative or collaborative or a nice co-parent or, you know, they don't understand that this is an abuser who you're triggered by and you can't have mm-hmm. when they're, it's like dog whistling. They're saying things to you that nobody else hears are abusive because yeah. they know how to push buttons that are going to get you going. So There's so much to it. So yeah, it's a really difficult place to be when you're in that court system. So wait, let me get back to my communication. So when you're communicating with a soon-to-be ex and you're in the process, bless you, and you've got lawyers and judges and parenting coordinators, all these people watching you, probably you're communicating through a parenting app and everything is, is evidence, you can't go no contact or gray rock or you can't because now you're the problem because you know they're going hi good morning how are you i hope you had a nice night i hope uh the kids are doing well so i just want to confirm with you that i'm picking them up blah 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 blah. is there anything i can do for you can i bring you groceries you know and you're like are they buying this are they buying this because you know he's going to come over and he's going to verbally berate me for what 
So yeah. now if you go back and go, no, you know, our exchanges at the police station or whatever you're supposed to do. Now you look like the crazy person. This guy's being totally nice to you. Why would you treat him that way? It's such a manipulation. Yeah. And you're trying to hold your boundaries because you've got to heal and you've got to take care of yourself. You've got to protect yourself. I mean, yeah. I, most of my clients exchange at police stations because the interaction is so abusive. Yeah. So elevated. And for the yeah. kids too. So phase one was Stepford Wives. If you're deciding now you've left, what was their key? Well, while you're divorcing, you need to pretend to be nice, not overly, but you have to, you know, go with it and go, good morning. Here's the kids plan for the day. Hope you have a nice day. Like, right. Yeah. You just have to play the game while all these eyes are on you. Yeah. So they don't think you're the problem. But once the ink is dry and it's done, you speak as little, not, not speak at all. You communicate in writing as little as possible with no emotion, not one adjective, <laughs> just date, time, whatever. Yeah. Nothing else and nothing. You tell them nothing that isn't court ordered for you to tell them. Yeah. And I think it's it's hard because I watched the conversations spiral because that person knows how to push the triggers, right? So if you show up, this is the date of the exchange. This is the time of the exchange. This is the location. And maybe you have one question in there, right? Like, does this date work for you? And what comes back is a big everything else. 20 pages long, right? Right. But you can't even say, does this date work for you? Like, we have to close the loop. We have to say... Yeah. If this doesn't work for you, notify me by tomorrow at 3 p.m. Otherwise, I'll be going forward with this. Yeah. Right. You, you can't give them any opening, any gray area. They'll keep you waiting. You'll, you'll just anything to get you going. Like, well, yeah. he hasn't answered. So now I don't know what to do. Do I take them? Do I not take them? Blah, 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 blah. Yep. It's exhausting. So we feel for you guys if you are stuck in this. <laughs> but just remember, you know, it's a business transaction. So keep it civil, keep it polite, but maintain what you need so that you're protected and try and avoid, just don't step in to those hot buttons. And we know it's hard. We do. In fact, we know it's so hard that this is far more than one, you know, one podcast episode. So <laughs> Victoria does have a couple amazing things. She's got a new offering for you where you can really get a deep dive into the narcissistic behavior. And then she has an offer for you as a listener. So first tell us about your new program, because when you told me I loved, I loved the fact, you know, five days is a deep dive. I can get all the information because one of the worst things is when you're dealing with it is having to wait for the next time that you get more information, you know? So if it's over five weeks, like that just seems like forever when you're in the middle of having to deal with something. Right. So I thought for all those people, and I talk to them daily who don't know what they don't know. They just like, yeah. the whole thing scares me so much. And I don't even know what questions to ask because how could I ever, ever stand up to this person? How could I ever leave? There's no way they're going to allow me to do this. It's just never going to happen. So I thought what all these people need is like the broad strokes of all the things, right? The broad strokes. And then you know what questions to ask. So it's a five-day crash course called Outsmart the Narcissist. So we are every day 
there's another lesson about another topic that you need to know. And it is a hybrid of online and live. So every day you get started, it's a Monday through Friday. It's, uh, they're going to be monthly. So I'm not sure, you know, if this, uh, probably this one will be before this episode airs. So just check my website and we'll have it up there. So every day, Monday through Friday, you get an email, you wake up to an email that has a video for that day's lesson. And then there's a live Zoom where anyone who's in this group can come on and ask questions and I'll reinforce the lesson that you got that day. And then we can, you can ask all the questions around that, that you have. And then the next day we move on to the next thing. So by the end of five days, you should really have a solid understanding of not only what you're up against, but how you can get ahead of it, how you can stay one step ahead. Yeah, I love that. Cause I just, again, like having all the info, having not only like a learning module, cause there's lots of places you can go read and watch and whatever else, but then the ability to come back to ask questions, to get specific help gives you that foundation. So at least you got some steady footing, right? As you begin on this new path. So the info for that, you guys, it'll be, you know, in the notes, we'll link her website in the class. It's in the description of the podcast. It'll also live on the crazy under episodes where you can read all about this episode and have all the links, but then she does have a second offer specific for listeners. So tell us what that is about. Yes, it is my breakthrough, sorry, breakthrough to break free session. So this is your initial session with me where I do a deep dive into what you're going through and come up with some ideas for what your best next steps might be. But it's also the first step if you're interested in working with me. So It's our get to know you call, but you also are going to get coached on this call. It's normally $97. So I'm going to do a 50% off for your listeners. When you, you'll get a link to my calendar. And when you make the booking request, all you have to do is put the name of this podcast in your message to me. Beautiful. So, and I'll have all those steps in there for you guys too. So you'll have the link. You can put the little code in there of the crazy ex-wives club, and then you'll get 50% off, which is amazing. And thank you for the work that you do, because when you're stuck in those situations, it can feel so hopeless and divorce is hard enough as it is without having to deal with ongoing abuse from the person that you once loved. So thank you, Victoria, for joining us today, for you guys listening. Um, for you, yeah, for you guys listening at home, take care until we talk to you next week. We'll be back with another great episode. Until then, make sure that you subscribe on your podcast platform. Please share it with your friends and we'll talk to you all next week. And that's it. Another great episode of the Crazy Ex-Wives Club, a podcast for women learning how to heal from their divorce. Tune in next week for more advice and tips to help you figure out life after divorce. And until then, give yourself grace, do the best you can, and know that this is all part of the process. 